0: Hey everybody, welcome to episode 7 of The Press with Jamin Warren. Thank you for listening, thank you for subscribing. If you get a chance to leave a rating and a review, I would very, very much appreciate that. That would be a huge help for me. Jamin is the founder of Killscreen, whose focus is on play and interactivity. Highly recommend you go to their website, follow them on Twitter. Now, Jamin and I have known each other for quite a long time. Our families went to the same church years ago, and his younger brother, Justin... Is one of my closest friends, and between about elementary school and into high school, we were at each other's house like pretty much every weekend. And one of the things the three of us did together a lot of time was play video games, mostly sports games, but various video games. That was, you know, an experience that has kind of stuck with me, and as I thought about getting back in touch with Jamin and, and doing this interview with him. I had all these scattered memories of, of playing games with him growing up, and he has kind of channeled that focus and that passion into kill screen. I've been out of the gaming world a little bit. I played mostly sports games, a lot of Madden, the college games, basketball and football when they were around, but ha- haven't played much the last few years and thought it would be fun to kind of pick Jamin's brain about the current state of of sports video games. He's got a beat on all this stuff, and especially with esports. Esports has just gotten huge and is only going to keep growing. So I wanted to get his thoughts on it. Really, really interesting perspective, super informative, lots of great stuff from Jamin. So I hope you enjoy it. Episode 7 of The Press with Jamin Warren. When I was thinking about talking to you about video games I actually had a couple memories that kind of popped into my mind and I I wasn't sure uh what you remember about them and I think they're actually kind of pretty early on in my like sports video gaming experience and uh one was a college basketball game that we used to play upstairs in your Abington house (laughs) where I think like you wanted to either be Georgetown to be AI or wake force to be tim duncan so it must have been around like 96. yeah
1: it was uh the game was well it was it, it was the i guess it's a sequel slash prequel to, to nba jam it was college slam i think that was the uh mm. that was the that was the official title of the game and uh yeah, and much like uh you know, much like a NCAA, you know, much like the NCAA football stuff now, they couldn't name any of the players, so they just had numbers, but you kind of knew who was who. <laughs> and uh I think my brother and I we went through and we looked up the rosters for like every single team and named all of the players. I don't know why we did that, but it was like I think we were still collecting like uh baseball cards and stuff. So, like we just got really into the like into the the stats and roster part of it. Uh and basically created like personalities for personalities for for everybody. Yeah, I think that that sounds about right. Cuz there's always there were like one or two like crazy um like you know overpowered players in the game. So yeah. yeah, I think that was that was basically it.
0: I don't remember and was it 2 on 2 like NBA Jam?
1: I think so. I, I think don't remember it was that. 2 on 2. It might have been 3 on 3. Yeah. Uh, I feel like it was 2 on. I think it was I think it was the same. It was basically the same game. 'Cause you could turn on hot spots and stuff. That's and right. It was basically the same the same exact game. The, um yeah, same exact game.
0: The other one was the NFL game that you guys also had for that computer where we would just be the Lions <laughs> and run the halfback pass from Barry Sanders to Herman Moore. And it was just totally feast or famine. Like if that play worked, there was no stopping it. But once that play stopped working, like you couldn't function as an offense.
1: My um I, I would get so mad at my brother because he would just he would just run that play because you couldn't you couldn't stop it because the receivers they had a route and they yeah the ai would pull all the dvs out of like the moment that they saw the run it was a perfect play because the ai dvs would pull out of coverage and then um because they would think it was a run play and the halfback would come out of the backfield and just would always be open and so i think we just ended what i ended up doing also, because the, the camera only focuses on the offense, it mm-hmm. only focuses on the line of scrimmage. So, like the you know, because the halfback would run his, he would run his route, and uh, I would do, like basically take one of my quarterbacks, take control of that player, and then just kind of blindly run around <laughs> in the secondary, trying to figure out vaguely where like. And then sometimes he wouldn't do it; he would just like run the football. Yeah, in and then now you know everyone was like all out of position and whatnot. So like. <laughs> It was oh, before- yeah, some of those early games they were like uh I think mean, God bless them but yeah some some stu- some stuff was like crazy was crazy broken about them.
0: It was before Madden had the uh, receiver windows at the top of the screen so that you could actually see the receivers, <laughs> yeah. but you had no context as to where they were on the field.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the, the nature of um you know it's funny that the the relationship between uh between Madden and professional sports is really interesting. Um, you know, obviously the madden camera view which made its way over into televised football um but you know it's interesting football football game football football video games and football the game itself have a very interesting relationship because they both are uh intimately connected to the tv there's a great atlantic uh cover story a couple i don't know a couple years ago about uh about pete rosell and all the all the moves they made in the 70s to really prepare to basically make football a sport that could be perfectly watched on television and how much it changed you know how much he all, all these different things using you know more cinematic camera angles like creating a sense of drama uh and it's interesting because i feel like uh, madden football has the same kind of relationship to television that a lot of the things you could or couldn't do were just bound by this you know sixteen nine or back in you know, back in my day <laughs> you know 4-3 this 4-3 like kind of box and that was you know that was always like a kind of thing that you've had to like basically work around um but yeah no it's, it's it's interesting thinking about the evolution of those football games alongside of like football and the sport itself
0: and did you see have you seen a trailer for the new long shot mode in madden no no i haven't the it's kind of like you it goes beyond kind of the career mode now where it's like a life mode and so it's all dramatic, like you're making decisions, you have like destructive relationships you have to navigate and all this stuff off the field. And it's like the next level of Madden and those games where, you know, w- when you and I were kids and we were just playing, there was like one function. Maybe there was a practice yeah, mode, yeah. but really just turned it on, picked your team and played and now there's like so many different directions you can go.
1: That's so funny. Yeah. It's like, uh, like any given Sunday or, exactly, yeah. um, yeah. Yeah, I think like there's all these things that happen, you know, off the field, which is you know, it's funny because that is definitely that's a part of that is a part of the game, right? Like it's so it's so you know, Madden is the simulation of a set of rules and things that happen on the field, but there are all these other things that influence sports that happen off the field that uh, sports simulation games don't don't really capture at all. Um, it's also part of you know, EA. There's a there's a great interview with the CEO of EA. In the verge uh, last year, and one of the things he was talking about is this desire to bridge the gap between like our IRL existence and then what happens in the game and create more validity between those two. So I think then trying to evolve Madden into something that lives and breathes outside of just like what happens you know, outside of just what happens in those four quarters is, is super is super interesting and I think probably compelling. Also, like, there are people who just play Madden, that's the only game they play, and they, you know, buy it year in, year out So trying to keep, like, that core fan base happy with new features is really hard, because you can't, like, you can't iterate, you know, with, with normal video games, you can iterate by adding new features, you know, like, oh, we're going to add new guns, or we're going to add new players, or characters. You can't, like, do that with sports games, right? Like, you can't be like, well, then this new mode has, like, there's two footballs now, you know what I mean? It's going to make the game like really exciting because what people are looking for is, you know, a level of both various, you know, very similar to, to the thing that they watch, uh, you know, on every Saturday and Sunday and Thursday (laughs) and Monday. uh, And uh, as well as, you know, as well as, um, you know, a, a fictional sense that, you know, you are the player. So it's both real and not real simultaneously. Uh, sports games are super, they're very unique type of, of game. Uh, and the way that those game designers think about some of the challenges there are, are really, they're having to like iterate, but with like one hand tied behind their back because they can't <laughs> make, they can't make changes to the core, like to the core system. Um, yeah. uh, anyway, sorry. Yeah.
0: That, uh, thinking of, I mean, if if you go back to like, you know, 15, maybe even 20, years ago 20 years ago and and thinking about where games were uh whether it's we're playing on a computer or like the super polygonal characters of like the late 90s early 2000s to now and the crazy graphics and all the different uh, options and interactivity and being able to play online what what like what new feature or what development evolution whatever you want to call it do you think would have been most mind-blowing to like 13-year-old Jamin? Would it be like the graphics or just uh, the overall experience, how the experience of these games has become so much bigger?
1: Yeah, no, that's an interesting question. I was actually talking to some friends about this about this last night. Um you know, I mean, I think probably, you know, one of the biggest changes is just, like, the you know, obviously the internet and being able to have, like, live dynamic updates for players. So, I mean, I'm just thinking, you know, we, on a week-to-week basis, like, there's an expectation, I think, for a lot of people when they play sports games. Uh, I remember I had this one friend growing up, and I can't remember what he had. was like Madden. Oh, man, this would have been, like, fifth or sixth grade. So, this would have oh, geez, Murray, like, Madden, like, 91, 92, something like that. Uh, like early nineties Madden, he was not a football fan. So he picked the Atlanta Falcons who were terrible at the time (laughs) and he made them the best. He like, he just was like, I picked the Atlanta Falcons because they were the first ones. And he's like, it was just A, that was the first team on the, like on the list of teams. Like, so he was like playing football, the game, like you would play an actual video game. Do you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. he was just, he had no interest in football as a sport. He was just like, he didn't watch football. He was a soccer player. He didn't watch football. He's just like, this is a video game that he owned and he thought it was really fun. So you can engage with you know, video games at that, at that level. But yeah, I think being able to create, for me as a kid, being able to create a more dynamic, like week to week kind of thing. Because I, I don't think it's necessarily about the, like, the realism. I think that helps. Um, I think that helps a lot. But I think you know what makes sports games really fascinating is obviously the competitive part of it. But I think, yeah, like, you know, like with the long shot mode that, and it's like this opportunity to bring in the real world into these games. I think that that piece is, you know, I think that piece is really, that piece is like really exciting. Like if there's something that, yeah, some sort of mixture of like what, you know, DraftKings and Madden for <laughs> me as a kid would have been like, that would have been, um, I think, really exciting.
0: I always knew, I mean, it, it was an experience that we shared and we shared with Justin. And I remember even playing with my brother, Ethan, I knew that you had an interest in video games, but i I don't think it was until you got on with Kill screen and I started kind of seeing your career take shape that way that I realized like the full depth of your video game obsession, like what captivated you? What kind of got you to that level?
1: Yeah, I mean, it definitely wasn't I mean we you know justin and i didn't we didn't have um we didn't have a video game console growing up. so well, I think we. I, I went away to college, I think late, maybe later in the year when you could rent. Like, later in high school, we started, like, renting, like, Sega Saturn from Blockbuster. Um, like, that was a special <laughs> treat or something. And then it was really my dad. I mean, my dad was the one about, like, obsessed with, with game stuff and just, like, wouldn't, wouldn't admit it and wouldn't, like, break down and, like, actually get a – I think he finally got a PlayStation 2 after I had, like, already left for college. So, um, but, yeah, it wasn't really until um, – it wasn't really until I I was a culture reporter and I started interviewing because I was interested, you know, because I was interested in in music and a bunch of other things. And it wasn't really until, um, you know, it wasn't really until I, um, I started interviewing game designers just really on a lark. I mean, really just because I thought it was, you know, I thought there was some interesting stuff there culturally. Also it's just like an excuse to get, you know, a free Xbox 360 from Microsoft. (laughs) Right. And, uh, once I started interviewing game designers, I think what I got really interested in was just that process, the process of creating stuff, um, you know? And I think that for me, I'd always kind of thought of games as, you know, basically like kid stuff, you know what I mean? Right. I, I didn't actually think of them as I um, I didn't think of them as an art form, the way it, like people look at literature or music. And so games are just kind of this other, it was like entertainment, you know what I mean? Was like, oh yeah, it, it's a thing that, you have fun and you do. I didn't think a lot about the design process behind it. So really, um, for me, it started to take shape um, when, you know, I would talk to game designers and ask them about their craft. And they would explain all these things that went into an experience and all the things that they have to, to, to think about. I was like, oh, there's something really special here. Uh, this is a special set of, of, of creative individuals who are doing something unique. And, um, you know, more importantly, that a lot of what they're doing is being reflected in the outside world. There are a lot of people who are, working outside of games that were functionally doing, um, you know, a form of interactive design and vice versa. There are people inside of games that were, you know, asking big questions about, you know, anthropology and art and, um, you know, and industrial design and architecture. These are all these are all things that were starting to converge, and video games are a great place for that to, to
0: happen. I was poking around on the website, and I want to say you had a column about, changing the perception of gaming being just kind of like a time wasting activity that that I guess that there's a lack of value in it do you feel like we're turning the corner in that sense because when you and I were kids I mean it was something that our parents kind of rolled their eyes about and at least we weren't getting in trouble we were down in the basement playing games or whatever but do you think people are now seeing that there's more to it than just kind of staring at a screen mindlessly for hours on end?
1: Yeah, I mean, yes and no. I mean, the, the reality is that more people are playing video games now than at any point in human history. But uh, it's also true that people have been playing, you know, games throughout human history. So even before, you, you know, if you think about like, a game like chess, for example, like that was Call of Duty, right? Like that was like the equivalent <laughs> of Call of Duty, It's this game of war and strategy. Like, so there are all these games throughout human history, obviously that predate technology, uh, you know, predate the television and, and whatnot. So, you know, it's, it's, it's probably healthier to think of, you know, our current, um, like the current success, the commercial success of video games is much more attributable to this like longer trajectory of people, just, you know, in a history of play. We don't think about things that way, but it's the same with sports. I mean, with, you know, with, with, with human sport, it's the same, a lot of the same desires that we have around like the enjoyment of watching other people play sports or playing sports ourselves. That's the same itch that gets scratched when you, know, you play a game like Overwatch or or League of Legends, or something along those lines. So, um, you know, in the same way that you know we love immersed, you know, we we've, we've told stories throughout human history, and so when games are telling great stories, they're you know in a lot of ways a part of that tradition as well. Like you know from you know storytellers of old, there's been people <laughs> throughout human history who've told great stories, and it, it, it's not surprising that games would be a medium where that stuff happens. So, um, so I think on the one hand, you know it, the ship is already sailed; like people aren't going to stop playing video games. Uh, on the other hand, you know. I don't, you know, I don't, I think for Americans, we have a deep anxiety about leisure time. Um, Hmm. And I think that there's, it's still, and I feel the same pangs too. We have so much anxiety around doing, in the case of like playing games, there's so much anxiety around doing something that brings us like so much joy. It's very strange. It's like a guilty (laughs) sort of thing. It's the same with like binge watching where people are like, oh, well, I spent like 10 hours binge watching on Saturday. I feel kind of gross. It's like, well, did you enjoy yourself? Did you get immersed in like a really like, incredible story, right? Like, I hope it was something that was really meaningful and beautiful. Like, we shouldn't have any anxiety about that. But if I told somebody I spent eight hours at an art museum or something all day at the Louvre, or something like that, someone would be like, well, that that was a good use of your time. So I think a lot of it is just that like TV, much like video games, it just hasn't, it doesn't have quite the same like universal stature that reading a book, um, that reading a book does or going to an art museum or um, some of these other, like more established art forms, mm-hmm. sort of have. So, and most of that, most of that is cultural, and I think it'll just go away, like over. It'll go away over time, um, simply because you know everybody watches TV now. There's a lot of great television on, and you know we'll get to a place where everybody's playing, you know everybody's playing video games in some shape or fashion, and that stigma will will, will go away. But it, it just it just will take time.
0: You kind of touched on esports. What do you make of the growth there? And, and you mentioned. From a a fan, I guess, a spectator's perspective, you're watching somebody engage in competition, just like you do when you turn on uh, an NFL game on Sunday or an NBA game or what have you. Like when they had the the Heroes of the Dorm on ESPN2 a couple years ago, and I think it was a Sunday afternoon, and I had nothing to do, and I'm scrolling around, and I see it, and I see these teams. I think it was Cal and ASU battling each other on this game I've never seen before, know nothing about, and I was like fascinated.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, I think uh uh you know I think first of all, I think esports is probably more is more like sports than it is like video games. Like video games are just the vessel, but um uh but I think the dynamics and what makes those things interesting the, the spectating aspect of it is exactly the same as what you find in sports. The one, I would say the one big difference is um, unlike, you know, when I watch, you know, you know, when I watch like Steph Curry or something, like that, I have no expectation that by watching Steph Curry that's going to improve how I play basketball, right? <laughs> so th- there's a big difference there where, you know, I think for the, the first round of eSports with people who are looking, they were players of the game. What they enjoyed was watching high-level play of a thing that they already did. So in that way, it's much more like golf I think the next iteration of eSports will be people watching, other people play video games they, that they don't even play. They may not even necessarily play themselves. They just have an appreciation for, um, like, a dynamic system. So, um, you know, it is, I, I, you know, I play Overwatch. It's the only real eSport, I'd say, that, that I play. And I do enjoy watching pro play because it does it does help me, like, when I when I sit down, like, oh, it's helpful for me to get a sense of, like, map awareness and whatnot. Um, but a lot of the, I think a lot of the surprise that people have around esports again just that stems from this like this cultural bias and um this idea that um this idea that video games are not something to be taken seriously so i'm excited because i think esports is um i think it's acclimating people to the idea that you can watch someone else play video games and that there's an appreciation in that that is beautiful and wonderful and that you can um that you can you can enjoy that uh, the, the, other part, the, the, other, the other thing is like once you really start to understand the game like There's a lot of stuff that, um, if you are a traditional sports fan, like there's a lot of stuff in esports that you will appreciate at a, at a very deep level. A lot of the dynamics are very, very much the same, like a great example is like what's happening with, um, you know, obviously with, with the Warriors, I was talking with a friend of mine about this last night and this kind of like positionless basketball, right. That the Warriors have engaged in Mm and, um, there's, you know, there's similar dynamics in eSports, like in Overwatch right now, you know, one of the things that's really popular, there's this character called Lucio, who has the ability to make everyone around him move really quickly. And so what it's done is it's really changed, like, the speed of the game the same way that, like, you know, West Coast, off- you know, West Coast offensive styles, are, like, calling 90 plays a game in college football, like, that changed the dynamic of that sport. So there's a lot of similarities, I think, with eSports and the way that people talk about what's exciting about eSports or eSports play that's very, very similar so what you would find on like ESPN Talk Radio. I think it it really boils down to this kind of like jocks versus nerds perception, you know what I mean that like jocks play sports and nerds play video games kind <laughs> of thing and I think over time that will that will go away. Um so it just again it just it, it will just take time.
0: There's got to be enough overlap though because jocks also play Madden and they play NBA 2K and these other games. So I I guess I guess Overwatch and games like that are a little bit further down the road than Madden, but the, that common experience, having a console, playing a game, I mean, has got to eventually take people down that path to some degree, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. You know, it's funny, again, like, again, like sports simulations games, like they sort of, uh, it, they're, people who play those games, like if you're, you know, a Counter Strike player or if you're a Madden player, you think of yourself as being like a very different type of game player as someone who plays like, um, like a card game, like Hearthstone, or something like that. Um, even though those are all compet- those are all forms of competitive sport, it, you know, in a lot of ways, it's not profoundly different from, you know, I think the way that maybe people think about, um, like, tennis or soccer compared to uh, football or basketball, right? Like, people have biases, like, I don't really, you know, I don't really care for, you know, golf, golf is too slow, golf is too, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. people, we already have those internalized biases about which sports we think we should take seriously or not. And uh, I think you see the same thing with esports, where like certain types of games are kind of perceived by those who watch them as being like, that's the best thing. Like, I don't really care for baseball. I think it's boring. I mean, I played it growing up. It's not really my thing, but you know, if you are, you know, if you're a Red Sox fan or whatever, this is like, this is your life. So I think over time, yeah, I think there's going to be a lot more blurring of the lines. But I think in the same way that you do have people who Maybe watch, you know, they watch European soccer, and then they also, you know, watch college football or whatever. The same thing is going to happen with esports, where you have people are like, oh yeah, I really watch a lot of Overwatch, but then I also watch, you know, I'm more of a Dota person as compared to League of Legends. Um, just as the, as the sophistication and literacy grows, and I think you'll see you'll see similar fan patterns emerge. It's similar to what you see in like regular sports.
0: And now the NBA or NBA teams are going to be fielding 2K esports teams.
1: Yeah that that whole situation blows my mind. it's so it's so meta right because it's because <laughs> the NBA is going to be having like supporting a simulation of itself. It's so str- like it's so strange.
0: <laughs> I was really um, hoping that like, they would like have players from their team like as a Sixers fan Joel Embiid on the team, but I guess it's just going to be gamers themselves. But I love the idea of like yeah, NBA yeah, teams yeah. taking their two best players and having them play NBA 2K like as themselves.
1: <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. It's funny they think that maybe you could be like a two sport athlete by both being like a both be <laughs> both playing the sport itself, but then also competing competitively as yourself against other other people Uh, it's it's the it's it makes a lot of sense it's uh but also just listening to the announcement like it it seemed pretty clear that um uh that that uh that stern didn't really didn't really understand like it was clear like kind of one of these things i don't think he really understood like what was like what was what the announcement was it was like because like the way he was talking about it was it was very strange and like kind of confusing um it's clear he doesn't really play a lot of video games so um i, I thought that was that was pretty funny
0: it's cool that they're doing that. I mean, there's enough people that are that are into it, and you know, I have friends that play 2K and and that just wa- enjoy watching other people play. And again, it's kind of the, the, that experience is similar to like what you were saying with with other games that aren't in the sports spectrum. That again, maybe get people acclimated to the viewing experience as you would a sporting event. Um, you know, even though it's it's not the true. You're not watching Steph Curry himself. You know what I mean?
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, a lot of it boils down. To, I, I heard a great story. I can't remember which World Series it was. Um, it was one of the really early World Series and during the, I think it was like, you know, in the early you know, like teens or tens or whatever. And uh, radio was a new, like, uh, radio wasn't really a thing yet. And what they did was they used a telegraph to um, basically telegraph play by play what was happening during the World Series. And then what you have are these guys, they would have these big baseball scoreboards with players and they would just move the players <laughs> play by play, right? As if, you know, basically like you were watching, basically watching a video game, right? You're watching a metaphorical, it's not It's not a one-to-one. It's not like watching a live sport. You're just watching a metaphor for this thing. Uh, and so I think, you know, if you think about it that way, if you think about, and then not just esports, but anybody who watches video games for fun or for, for leisure or whatever, there is an enjoyment in watching other people do something very very well or do something very entertainingly. And um, I think if we just get over the social stigma of it, like being like, oh, I don't understand why anyone would play video games professionally, or I don't understand why you would want to, I don't understand why you would want to, you know, watch other people play video games instead of playing video games yourself. It's like yeah, there's a good reason for that. It's like yeah, I'm not as good as the person that I'm watching. It's very like it's very straightforward, right? Mm-hmm. Like I like it is more enjoyable. For me to watch the Golden State Warriors than for me to get four of my friends and like pre- you know pre- pretend to be Clay Thompson and Draymond Green like that's not like that that's where the enjoyment comes from it's like watching a high level of skill watching other people when you play when you play video games so um, yeah it's just I, I it, it isn't the same it isn't the same as actually watching like Nick you're saying a real Steph Curry uh, it's just different that's all but the, I think the enjoyment is very much the same you 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 have an appreciation for expertise in a particular arena whatever that might be whether it's like dance or song or whatever it might be video games or, or the play of video games is, is really fundamentally no different
0: do you wish you had grown up in a time where uh college scholarships for gaming were available
1: <laughs> no i am very jealous though of uh you know you know it's funny the early history of games was very social and you know you narrated this earlier you know these these memories that you have of uh, us playing video games together. Uh, You know, the early days of video games were super social and we actually, you know, we actually grew up, um, in this weird moment where games, where the internet was not developed enough to really play a lot of games online. And so, but arcades were not really a thing either. Hmm. So there's this weird, like 10 to 15 year period where video games became very, I would say very anti-social. It was something that people did alone in their basement. Uh. I'm very jealous of kids now because so many of their experiences are so fundamentally social Minecraft and, uh, you know, Minecraft and overwatch and, you know, all of these games called Duty, and all these game experiences are all things that kids can play. Um, you play with each other. And that's become a real premium uh, coming out of E3 this week. That's a huge development is that, you know, the next iteration of video games is definitely a mixture of, you know, these sort of like prestige narrative things, basically for, for, Old people like me that like <laughs> stories, and then these kind of games as a service um, that are really for everybody. And so that piece I'm definitely jealous of is like you know the, the social aspect of games now that, that is just so much more profound because you know the internet makes it so much easier for people to connect with one another. So I I, I would have loved. I think it's it's a great time to be a kid. Uh, you know if you're if you're a kid playing video games, it's it's really really exciting.
0: I also read a story or two speculating about the possibility of the NCAA eventually sanctioning gaming. And knowing what we know about the NCAA, and they've had obviously <laughs> issues with the fact that there's no longer college games, which is, um, you know, one of the great tragedies, I think, in the history of video games. Uh, do do yeah. you think that's ever something that could actually come to fruition?
1: Wait, sanctioning as in, like, preventing people from playing no, video games, games professionally? No, or no, like, video games becoming like, and yeah, honoring them.
0: Yeah, yeah honoring them becoming an NCAA sanctioned activity.
1: Um yeah, I mean I, you know, it there's how many sports are currently say I mean there's you know dozens and dozens of, game, of you know sports that are currently sanctioned. So, you know, I don't I, I don't see any reason why, you know, esports sports shouldn't be one of those things. I mean, it's also kind of nice because the the barrier to entry is actually really low um compared to like other sports, right? Like to have like a you know if you're like a small if you're small college or whatever and you want to start you know, competing in pretty much anything, right? It's going to require facilities and coaches and training. You know what I mean? Like, whereas with video games, it's like, yeah, you all you need is, you know, don't, don't need as much. I mean, you need, like, a good computer, but that's really about it. So in some ways, that's kind of exciting because I think you, that might diversify in terms of, like, who's good at esports. Um, I think it will totally level the playing field 100%. So in that way, it would be really exciting because you might have, like, some tiny, you might have, like, you know, I don't know, University of the South or something or Sewanee, you know, like Mm -hmm. a really small school could be an international, like could be, you know, could could end up being like a national champion in a way
0: that, uh, you know, they compete
1: against Michigan or Ohio State or whatever.
0: And I forget the name of the school off the top of my head, but it was a small school that basically was offering scholarships and you were part of their athletic department. And like you had access to trainers and that sort of thing. And it kind of goes along with what you're saying. It's not necessarily Alabama and USC that would be doing this. Uh, it's these other schools. And so the the superpowers could look completely different than they do in the more traditional athletic field, which, yeah, I think it'd be really, really interesting.
1: Totally. I mean, the other big dynamic, you know, with with esports right now is that it's a very international, very, very international and, so a lot of the best players are you know coming out of like south korea for example so i in that way you know that, that that will be really interesting obviously there's a lot of stuff that's happening with like visas and whatnot in our country right now that you know i think will make that complicated um at least in the foreseeable future um, um but yeah i mean it's 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 a really cool time to be watching this stuff kind of grow and blossom so um yeah
0: what what do things look like five, ten, twenty years from now? Is there even any any way to say like can you can you project and have any clue of what the next uh, evolution, next step looks like?
1: Oh, to- totally. I mean, I think well, obviously, one big thing is like definitely seeing more uh, Pokemon Go, for example. I think is just scratching the surface. I think you're going to see a lot more games that are played in the real world, um, like these kind of crossover experiences, like, you were, like what you were alluding to earlier with long shot mode with Madden. Um, I think that's gonna be a big, a big piece, more experiences away from screens um, uh, you know, I, I also think that the, uh, I mean, the other big piece of it is like, you know, I think VR is going to change the way we think about a lot of things, including, you know, including games, and that's that's super exciting to me. I, I mean, I think probably the, the biggest thing is just the diversification of the audience, um, left by gender and more by age. I, I, I say this only because I was with um, with some friends last night. Uh, you know, I'm 34 and they're, you know, a, bit, a little bit older. Uh, and we've all been playing games, you know, for the vast majority of our lives. In a lot of ways, you know, if you look at the announcements for E3 this year, they're they're tailored towards, it's tailored towards, you know, diehard fans of franchises, but but also functionally people who are playing games for the very, you know, at some level playing games for the first time. So, you know, there's a reboot of God of War, but there's already been four or five God of War games already, and now they're just like rebooting it and starting over with God of War. Same with Battlefield and Call of Duty. And like, these are all games that I've been playing for the last like 10, 15 years. So I think one interesting thing, you know, big development long-term will be uh, the creation of these kind of like more intergenerational systems where, you know, I grew up, you know, my parents didn't grow up on games. My dad was very, he was very sympathetic and he knew it was going to be a part of kind of like our youth culture and he wanted to understand it. But longer term, you're going to have multi-generational experiences where you're going to have a dad and, you know, you're going to have a dad and his son and they're going to want different things. It's not going to be like when I play with my dad where I was really good. My dad was just still trying to figure it out. Like, I'm going to want to have the same kinds of like high level immersive gaming experiences that my children are going to have because I grew up playing those things. And not in like a nostalgic kind of way. I want to go back and play eight bit stuff, but where I want things that are going to, you know, basically move me uh, as a medium because I understand, you know, games to be like an important piece of that. So um, I, I'm hoping that the gaming industry is able to accommodate, um, accommodate people of all kind of of all ages uh, in the same experiences as opposed to saying like, well, these are things for kids and these are things for adults, et cetera, et cetera.
0: So last that's, thing, that's
1: another big development
0: long-term. Last thing before I let you go, I've been out of the game, so to speak, for a little while. And I, and I, I have kind of a guilt about that because I grew up playing video games constantly. Uh, but I'm a bit out of that world and I'm always thinking like, what should I be playing right now? Like if I were to dive back <laughs> into it, what do I need to get into? So what game should I be playing? Right oh now?
1: man. Well, what do you have?
0: Uh, I mean, I got an Xbox 360, but let's say we're not worried about that. If if I'm gonna make the commitment to get back into the gaming world, what should my first steps be?
1: Well, I mean, I guess uh, do you like story or do you like competition? I mean, it's not a mutually exclusive designation, but that that's a, that's probably an easy way to split things out.
0: You know what I've I've found is with kind of the story based games, like, and this could lead into a completely different conversation, but. Growing up, like, I played Mario or Zelda, and they were very, very linear games, especially Mario. Like, you're moving from left to right Mm -hmm. on the screen and trying not to, like, die in the process, basically. For these these more, like, in-depth, layered story-based games, I can't wrap my head around it. Like, there's too many different directions Mm -hmm. I can go. I need guidance and, like, a clear... Uh, you know object or something that I need to pursue or achieve and I that's kind of my struggle nowadays with games I just my, my brain hasn't evolved at the same rate that the games have
1: <laughs> no that's totally fair I mean I think um you know there's a couple like the the last of us or uh, uncharted with them which are all done by naughty dog those are good I think those are I mean provided that you know you have some some experience with you know kind of uh like a third person or like operating in 3D space. Mm -hmm. Those are pretty good, but there's some other good story ones that have come out recently. Um, What Remains of Edith Finch, this game about a um, young girl trying to unravel mysteries of her family or this other one called uh, Firewatch, which came out two years ago. Um, And you play as like a a guy who's kind of struggling in his marriage and he goes out to, I think he's in Wyoming. Uh, He basically serves as like a a fire control, like a park warden, and the entire game basically just you communicating with this other park warden over a walkie-talkie. Mm-hmm. Like, those are ones that definitely feel more cinematic. They're much more straightforward. I think they scratch the same kind of interactive itch, but they're also not, like, big open-world games um, where you're going to have to try to figure things out for yourself. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, those are, those are good places to start. Just well, get
0: PlayStation 4. I mean, that's probably my immediate
1: recommendation. One of, the, yeah.
0: one of the more recent ones I've played is one, the, and I don't know how these are thought of, but I think the first Walking Dead game... Um, where you could kind of yeah. choose your path by answering questions and are you going to be a good guy or a bad guy and kind of tell the story that way and it unfolds um, you know in, in light of the decisions that you made and I thought that was really interesting and fun so um,
1: yeah yeah no, that's a, that's a landmark series as well so cool. you're off to you're off to the right the right start
0: well I'm glad we were able to do this it was fun uh, getting a chance to reconnect of course man have a, uh, have a great rest of your week thanks Jamie too